Hi, hello, I'm David Walker, your host here on Australia Under the Microscope. Special happenings this hour, a new segment we think you'll love, Questions Without Notice, where we ask your questions to experts with inside knowledge. They're given no notice to prepare their answer. Candid discussions, inside knowledge you must know about. So it's a very warm welcome to our first ever debut guest, government analyst and political commentator, Simon Payton. Simon Payton, hello. David, it is lovely to be with you and our, uh, our many listeners, and I'm really thrilled to be here. Wonderful to have you here. The big week in politics at every level. I'll take you locally to Toowoomba first, uh, your hometown, I believe. Yes, I mean, I, you know, I, I went through uh, all my childhood in Toowoomba from about the age of um, five or six, and, um, and left Toowoomba when I was about 20, and then returned, of course, um, David, of course, to, to USQ as, as a lecturer. So, yeah, I've got a long pedigree in Toowoomba, and my family were there for many years and remain there, of course. We have a, a great tradition in the town. And what a town it is. I mean, politically, it has ups and downs. I mean, you know, we've had deputy premiers from there. We've currently, of course, got the, the deputy opposition leader from, um, from Toowoomba South. And, of course, the very first uh, member for uh, the Darling Downs, of course, was the Speaker in the House of Representatives, the very first Speaker, in, uh, in 1901. So um, uh, that was, William, of course, William Henry Groom. So great tradition and a real privilege to have grown up in an area with such a wonderful political tradition. Let's go to the northeast corner of the city. Developers stepping things up a notch, a quiet street, an 1870s cottage, all but removed to make way for three glamorous brand new cottages. A condition of the removal to uh, keep some element of the old 1800s cottage. Uh, in this case, the original decking of the old veranda was kept. Look, a nice result, but not without controversy. What does, what does Mayor Paul Antonio and the planning chair at the Toowoomba Regional Council need to be communicating to residents, voters at the street level regarding gentrification projects like this? All I can say, David, is that, um, you know, Toowoomba faces, like many historic cities in, and, and towns in, in Queensland, um, the mayor and, and the council have to reflect, reflect very carefully on what, um, what the future means for history, because the simple reality is that when you um, are cute, and I, forgive me using that word, but that is a bit cute, right? If you want to be selective about plan, uh, plans and town planning arrangements that define opportunities to interpret, and I think that's what's going on here, then the consequences could be that um, uh, future citizens and historians will look back and say, what was, what was council thinking here? There have been too many opportunities in the past where, um, you know, uh, Queensland has gone through a surge of development. I'm a big fan of development, don't get me wrong, but there are parts of Toowoomba that are sacrosanct. The inner city, Newtown, um, you know, there are some very, very special parts of Toowoomba that should not be profoundly impacted, even in ways like as you've described. So, you know, look, there are many parts of Toowoomba where there is very little historical value. I'm sorry to say that, but that's simply the case. I mean, you know, there are parts of, of, of South and um, West Toowoomba that really are quite emotionless when it comes to... Um, uh, the history of Toowoomba, and, you know, respectfully, I don't think in a hundred years' time people are going to be looking at homes from the 1980s and saying, goodness me, aren't these dynamics? 
I mean, really, they won't. They're going to be looking in the inner city. They're going to be looking at those properties around, you know, anywhere really between Margaret Street and James Street and saying, what have we got here? Mm. And any opportunity that's taken to remove those cottages and those special homes, well, that's a very sad indictment on on the present um, jurisdictions and the present administrators of these and, and interpreters of these policies. So all I would say is, Paul... Tread carefully. Don't go down a path which is going to see history reflect negatively on your administration. Because Paul Antonio is a great mayor. I know it's Paul, and I, I've had a lot of time for him over the years, and known him for a very long time. And it would worry me that that council misrepresents or misinterprets the opportunities here. Look, I do understand town planning is a tricky business, but please, you know, there are some parts of Toowoomba that must be protected. Arthur Street, you know, some of those pivotal areas around the inner city and around Newtown that just need to be given some careful consideration. And I I just think that is too important because, you know what, some of the dumb flats that have turned up that don't deserve to have been built, that have been great opportunities for some builder and developer, they're not worth anything. No one cares about them anymore and they'll never care about them. It's concrete embarrassments. You're listening now to uh, questions without notice. Joining us on the phone is the government analyst and political commentator Simon Payton. Simon, we go to, uh, let's go up and down the eastern seaboard now. Uh, a person and their husband, one of them infectious with COVID-19, as it now turns out, both of them, allowed to leave Victoria, travel basically through the back of New South Wales, Brisbane, Toowoomba, over to the Sunshine Coast. What, uh, what conversations would Premier Palaszczuk and her Chief Med Officer and her, her, her senior advisors be having right now? Oh, I don't think they'd be very joyful conversations, David. I, I think the simple fact of the matter is this this has been a powder keg waiting to blow up for months. And I think probably, um, you know, the, the, the comfort that we should have is the fact that these idiots had um, sufficiently a matured COVID virus that, in fact, they weren't as profoundly um, high risk as they could have been. I feel for the people in New South Wales, though, who were indeed um, uh, confronted with these people at a very pivotal time in the um, in the virus's maturity. All I can say is that the impact on the Sunshine Coast, where these people sort of hung out, has been profound and very disturbing. Thousands of people having to go before um, COVID testing centres from six in the morning. Uh, it's inexcusable. Um, I hope these people are charged, uh, David, because frankly, um, if you don't set an example for people like this, where you end up is a very slippery slope because I think, sadly, there are plenty of people doing this or trying this because they genuinely don't think that COVID is going to impact on them. And um, these people have proved very profoundly in this last week that, in fact, it's very easy uh, either to circumvent authorities or to expose ordinary uh, Queenslanders to this very traumatic risk. Uh, now, sure, the two people involved here didn't suffer serious illnesses, but what about their parents? What about, their gra- what about the grandparents of people they've come across in stores or in service stations uh, on that trip. Um, sadly, um, we haven't um, uh, we haven't seen the complete full force of this hideous uh, disease as, as many of our friends and um, and um, uh, yeah across nations like the United States, in countries in Asia and, and Africa. 
Um, the simple reality is you'd want to be very, very careful to have this naivety. But unfortunately, <laughs> this is a real twist here, David. The reality is the Australian authorities have done so well, with the exclusion of Victoria, I might say, at containing this virus that many Australians just take it for granted. And even people out of Melbourne, for goodness sake, seem to think that they're not affected by it. I mean, I don't know what you have to do, but all I can say is that uh, I think Premier Palaszczuk has been very frustrated by this, um, and I do think that the future uh, will continue to see the possibility that the government will look very carefully on, on lockdowns. Now, I think it's unlikely in Queensland that it is possible. Uh, everywhere, frankly, it's possible, uh, especially in Western Australia. Um, so I think we have to be mindful that governments enjoy the opportunity to press that button and take the opportunity to, um, to lock the place down if they feel um, there's any sort of uncertainty. But I do believe that there has been contact tracing that has really tightened things up a lot uh, across the country. But I, I concede that, that the Premier and the Chief Health Officer are frustrated by these things. And I don't think it's something um, that they'd be very happy about. Uh, I certainly know people on the Sunshine Coast who have been really upset by the set of circumstances that surrounded the arrival of these people, um, and it's not good enough. Uh, we go to Canberra now, and uh, well, while we're there, let's zoom in on a family, a Tamil family from Biloela, uh, North Queensland. But from the Canberra perspective, mm. uh, you know, we've got the hard line at play, we've got the chance for consciousness and kindness. Where, where might this one go this week? You know, this family has been amazing contributor in the in the township of Biddlewheel, and uh, that's that's well known, as you know. But the simple fact of the matter is, um, when you breach the laws, and when indeed you represent yourself to many courts, time after time after time, and the courts all say that your entitlement to be here is not valid, um, you have to see that um, you know if we have a legal that works in this country, despite the fact that this family is a genuinely sincere, hard-working, committed group of people who would make very, very great Australia. The consequence internationally is that there is a possibility that people will interpret this to mean there's an opportunity to come into Australia. Mm-hmm. And the danger and the great uncertainty that, that, that surrounds this case convinces me to the fact that the government will not yield, uh, not yield on this, that, that they will insist these people are resettled. And they will be resettled, and they'll be resettled in the United States. That's my prediction. Uh, um, the, the Prime Minister is currently speaking as we speak yes. to Joe Biden in Cornwall. And the, the consequences of that conversation will probably lead to an outcome where this family is moved to Houston or Tallahassee or you know, upstate North Dakota. So what, uh, what might be another top two uh, items on both Biden and Morrison's wish list, uh, agenda list? Frankly, the Bill of Wheeler solution that we just discussed will probably be um, a conversation piece amongst the minders, not probably amongst too much of the, the, the Scott Morrison-Joe Biden conversation. This is really Joe Biden's first opportunity on the international stage. The Queen is there. President Macron from France... We've got uh, Angela Merkel there from, from Germany. It's a who's who. But Pierre, uh, Pierre uh, with the Trudeau from, from, uh, from Canada, of course, always a bit of a wave there, but nevertheless. And, and other um, leaders of the free world. But, you know, I think this is really an important opportunity mm. to, to really 
Is himself. You're listening to Questions Without Notice, where we ask your questions to experts with inside knowledge. They're given no notice to prepare their answer. Candid discussions, inside knowledge of what you must know. It's time for a, a listener question now. Genevieve asks, Good afternoon, Mr. Payton. Justin Trudeau is looking like a modern-day boyfriend. A real Hugh Grant. Uh, Boris Johnson, <laughs> this is what she says, Boris Johnson could do with a haircut. Mr. Payton, with Mr. Morrison in the middle looking like a dad with his hair, does hair matter? Is it part of a politician's brand? Could you help us understand? That's an interesting question, Tom Aviv, and I'm glad you asked it. Yes, I think it is. Um, you know, Bo- Bojo uh, has made the mock modern again, and... Um, you know, I, I've always been rather fascinated. In fact, I saw an image this morning of him and his beautiful wife, and, uh, you know, she's looking quite svelte, and, and he's looking sort of like this badly wrapped parcel, you know. And I thought, there's something rather rugged about Bojo, and I, I think people like that. So, yes, I do believe hair matters, and, you know, I think there's an image that surrounds hair, and, um, you know, I, I look at... Um, Joe spent a lot of money on his hair, David, and I don't think there's any um, denying that. And that's quite obvious. Uh, but, you know, Angela Merkel, you know, I think she needs to see the, the decision fairly frequently. And that's OK, because, you know, that's the kind of president she's become. But Justin Trudeau probably needs to, to find um, a few moments with his barber because, um, <laughs> seriously, he's looking rather rugged. A little too northern, north, uh, northwest, uh, northwest cape about him at the moment. And... Um, I don't know what that look is about, but I mean, it's you know, it's winter somewhere. It's where you know, it's in Canberra. It's, it's in it's in Melbourne right now. That's where winter is. It's not in it's not in Ottawa. So I think probably um, he needs to probably trim that back a little bit. I just think that looking a little rugged almost looks makes you look like you've just lost interest. Hmm. And maybe he has lost interest. Essentially, I, uh, I, I took a look across the board of the uh, the leaders and thought uh, that's somebody's younger brother. Simon Payton, uh, any last words on uh, on uh, the gut feelings and expert insight for politics and government this week? Well, look, all I want to say is that I, I just you haven't commented on New South Wales, David, and I just wanted to talk about um, uh, Premier Berejiklian. Uh, what a wonderful week she's had, and what a great. Um, opportunity and, 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 you know, despite the fact that um, there have been difficult times in New South Wales, she won the, uh, the by-election down there in the Upper Hunter recently and it just reinforces the fact that governments, that, despite the embarrassment that surrounded the retirement of the previous member, it just goes to show that um, I, I think probably of all the Premiers Australia-wide at the moment, Gladys Berejiklian really does set the scene for success. Um, and I think she's probably the one to watch out of all of the premiers this week. She really has got a handle on on matters uh, COVID, but also matters, um, you know, progressive. And so I, I'd be watching her. Um, I'd also watch the, um, uh, not Victoria, not for bit, with Arkle, but, um, you know, they've got to come out of lockdown ASAP. But, um, no, I was going to say Tasmania's worth watching too. Of course, a very successful um, uh, returner, the uh, Liberal government down there, I think they're very much into consolidation. I noticed they've prevented a number of people moving into the state from Victoria last week, so they've been quite strict about their lockdown arrangements. Um, look, I think, um, and by the way, I might suggest at this point, Canberra is absolutely bubbling at the moment, David, in terms of uh, economic growth. Mm-hmm. So 
there is a real surge across the country um, that of economic opportunity. Mm. Adelaide, uh, Perth, uh, Brisbane. Yeah, it's all happening post-COVID. And I think despite the COVID lockdowns that have taken place, I actually think that the premiers are, are, are getting a little bit high on the Kool-Aid right now, enjoying what this has, uh, reveals. In fact, Queensland, the parlour state of the Queensland economy has turned around quite markedly in the last three months as a consequence of the post-COVID um, thrills. So um, real estates are on the rise. There's enormous opportunities in, uh, in retail and hospitality despite COVID. Mm-hmm. So, you know what? Um, I think they're loving to sick right now, these, these premiers. So I think next time we talk, there'll even be further evidence of that. And I just... And look, I think Australians in general are feeling this at the moment. There is a vibe of a- anticipation and enthusiasm and I think we're going to see more of this moving forward. I've always said that post-COVID there would be an incredible and dynamic uh, uh, shift upwards. We're absolutely seeing that now. Simon Payton, you've been a stellar guest on this first ever edition of Questions Without Notice. Uh, literally, Questions Without Notice. Thank you for lending us your insight, your intelligence. We'd love to have you back as a guest very soon. Thank you. You've been listening to Australia Under the Microscope. That was Questions Without Notice with Simon Payton, Government Analyst, Political Commentator. If you enjoyed the show, let us know in the comments. It always makes for a lively discussion. And we look forward to welcoming you next time on Questions Without Notice on Australia Under the Microscope. Or if you're a John Aviv, what question have you got that you'd like put under the microscope? Let us find out the answers for you on Questions Without Notice. Thanks for your company. Enjoy your week.